growing up, you know, sometimes people would ask, well, what do your parents do for a living? Small talk, regular conversation. But um, when I'd respond and, and say, well, you know, my dad is Elvis and my mom is Cher, they'd kind of laugh at me and say, no, really? What do your parents do? I'd tell them, no, really? My dad is Elvis and my mom is Cher. This usually frustrated them until I took out my wallet, if I had it with me, you know, and showed them the pictures. This is my dad, you know, Elvis, with the black wig and the white polyester suit and the sunglasses, swiveling his hips at, like, the county fair or the office supply convention. And this is my mom, you know, she's Cher, with the long black hair parted down the center and, you know, wearing a sequin dress or some kind of Indian garb, hugging Sunny and singing, I got you, you know, these are my parents. And I mean, I'd even take it a step further and prove to them, you know, this is where we lived in an RV called Graceland. Now, I'm from Bodine, Alabama. When someone says they're having a party around here, that usually means that, you know, you pull off the 40s and Possibly roll a keg down to the creek. You know, we'll probably make a bonfire and maybe have some, some lady folk come on down. For the most part, it's just Jack Daniels, a couple of my half-brothers, a shotgun, and a lot of hooting and hollering. You know, this is the kind of party we've been having for years. I just, I, I can't get my head around it. I like to consider myself a progressive thinker. For instance, you know, I was sitting there in Winn-Dixie the other day, sitting, looking at those skin magazines they have right by the checkout area, right? And I was looking at all these parties that they have. You know, they have, like, the, the ice swans, and they have, like, waterfalls, and, like fruit platters and it was unbelievable i couldn't i couldn't I, these people are actually you know living a, a nice life and they were they were hanging out in clothing that you know you don't do your your yard work in so good grief this was i, I couldn't believe it you didn't have pictures of people shooting mailboxes i mean they were they were sitting there holding martinis and looking like they're actually talking about things besides you know cow yeah but you know hey i think i found my true calling i want to i want to have a party like this i want to i want to make bodine respectable I'm going to be a part of Planet to the Stars. So I started hearing about these horrible test scores. Like 20% of kids can't locate the U.S. on a map. And uh, more kids are able to tell you who's on American Idol than they can number uh, U.S. presidents. And I figured there's got to be a serious problem going on here. And there's got to be something we can really do about this. So I go, well, what are the kids learning? And it dawned on me that the books that they're teaching with are just so boring. You've just got like bland maps and various earth tones that just muddle together on the page that's full of boring old text. And I mean, how am I supposed to convince kids that uh, the fall of Saigon is anything interesting when they have Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl to look at? I mean, who's going to be looking at maps of World War II Pacific battles when you could check out the new uh, fall boot fashions? The people at the magazines, these are masters of sex and alliteration. And that's how I came up with the idea for historical gossip for teens. I wanted to tell them that just because green is the new black doesn't mean emancipation wasn't cool. My life in Yakastan was very, very difficult. I had worked in a beet farm for so long that my hands had turned red and I couldn't smell anything else but the beet. I had made dreams of a man from American television and my man was named MacIver. I had very much appeal for this girl, Ariel. She was mermaid, and um, she was she was not real, but she was drawing, but still very beautiful. And I like her with her fin 
and I like her with her legs. I mean, I prefer the legs, but either way, it, I could not complain if, if I was married to Ariel. And, well, the girls that I tended to date in Yakistan were not as beautiful, and one did not even have legs, but she had no fin either. When brother and I came to America, we decided that, okay, we love the stars. And so we went on big journey to find the stars. And although we realized we could never be stars, we could serve them like we served our beats. It is wonderful to serve our stars. So now we work at McDonald's for the stars. McDonald's for the stars is unlike any other McDonald's. Well, the food is exactly like the other McDonald's. It is the same menu, same same value meals, but it feels much like Star. vacation from your life. It is string quartets. It is bow-tied tuxedo man. It is beautiful booths that hug you while you eat your hamburgers. It's very exclusive and, and many, many people want to get in, but not everyone can. There's not enough tables and there's lists that you must wait hours for. Sometimes people come in from outside and they say, I write for the most important newspaper in America, New York paper, and they want to get in, but they can't get in. They are not star. And that is why we have Ronald McDonald Bouncer standing out in front by the ropes. And he he has smile painted on, but do not let that fool you. He is not smile guy. He will keep you out if you do not belong. Nobel Prize doesn't matter. If he's not seen you on, on the big show, you do not get in. There are men who are broken down to tears because they think that they are big stars because they can do math. But just because you can do the math doesn't mean you can come eat McDonald's. Sometimes, maybe, they were small stars when they were little kids and they bring in the photos and the newspaper reviews of their their shows like this one kid, his name Dawkins Dawkin Creek, Cr- yes. something... And he said, look, I was on, I was on TV show, I, I was star. They named the creek after me. Right, but nobody knew. He said, I even starred in movies. Here is Entertainment Weekly magazine of my movies. But no, that was too long ago and nobody remembers you. And we said, I'm sorry. We don't see you on the screen. And at this time, another another man who I very much appreciate, Mr. Ashton Kutcher, oh. <laughs> was coming in and he walks and, and, of course, Mr. Ronald pushes away Mr. Vanderbeek and he says, Ashton, please, your booth is ready. Can we seat Miss Moore and the kids? Absolutely, we can seat them. I- I love Ashton. No question. Well, when I started uh, Historical Gossip for Teens, I, I wanted it to be a mix of history and the, the flashy glamour they were getting in their magazines. 
uh, we, we, we didn't want the first issue, which was about the suffrage movement. We didn't want it to be about the, the black and white sign waving, petticoat wearing, uh, uh, women that, that all the kids were seeing in the history books. We wanted it to be about, uh, about style and, and, uh, how these women wanted to be taken seriously, but also wanted to be seen as, uh, you know, attractive women. We, we wanted to give you Lucretia Mott's, uh, slimming for summer style tips and, and, and Elizabeth Katie Stanton, uh, advice for, uh, hot new boots and, you know, uh, Susan B. Anthony's tips for, for getting that Jessica Alba look. And she's not just saying, girls, you need to go out there and, and put on this new tube top. And, you know, she is, she's advising like colors and fabrics, uh, for the season and whatnot. But she's also saying like, Hey, go out there, be like Jessica Alba. You got to be assertive and, uh, kick some guy's ass, take your dominance in the world and whatnot. And that, that's a great message to give to girls too. But it's like, you can do that and you, you can look good at the same time. I want to be a party planner of the stars. Now, this isn't like finding a job down at the local Piggly Wiggly where you just walk on down there. And if you have all your teeth, they'll throw you behind a cash register. No, no, this isn't going to be like that. You see, I'm going to have to work for this. I'm going to have to build up my portfolio. You know, throw a couple lavish parties, get some good photo documentation, you know, get some good pictures of what's going on, take it down to L.A., show them what I got, and, you know, get my foot right in that party planning community. Now, here's the thing, though. Party planning is all about ideas. You need a good idea. When I'm down at supermarket checking out all these magazines, I got to tell you, this is Billy Ray Cyrus. He throws one mean party. He's got this thing about famous tragic disasters. For example, he threw this one brilliant party. It looked, it looked like it was a hoot and a holler. It's called the, the Titanic party, right? So there they are, they're out on a boat, they're drinking wine, they have a live band there, and they're all dancing and enjoying fine cheeses, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, they sink the boat. But here's the smart bit, they only had enough lifeboats for, you know, the elite few. Everybody else had to swim back to shore if they weren't good enough, which makes you, you know, really work at yourself next year, so that you're not going to be swimming, but you're actually going to be in one of those lifeboats, you know? Actually be an important celebrity, rather than, you know, just a celebrity. For instance, Rob Schneider, for example, walked over to the lightboat. They have a picture of him in that magazine. Game rejected. I, you know, telling these guys, hey, you might be a celebrity, but you're not that good, so you got to swim back to shore. As they sit there and watch the boat sink in their lifeboats and watch all the lesser celebrities, you know, fight their way back to uh, the beach. So, huh, I thought myself, I'm going to throw myself a, a natural tragic disaster party. I thought I'd have the uh, Irish potato famine. So I told all my friends and family that we were going to have a, you know, a decked out potato bar with... You know, bacon bits and cheese and butter and onions and scallions and all the other good stuff that you like to throw on your potato. And then they show up and they're sitting there looking at the bar. It's like, hey, it's filled with dust. It's like, wow, it's the Irish potato famine. We can't have potatoes here. It's a famine. And it's got to be defeat the purpose. I woke up with a large lump on my forehead. I think they beat me pretty hard with pool cue. But I'm willing to give it a second chance. I'm already playing the Sago Mon disaster party. I got my fingers crossed that this one's going to be a crowd pleaser. My parents were celebrity impersonators. You know, they'd go from town to town impersonating Elvis and Cher. Uh, primarily, what they focused on was uh, promotions, trade shows, conventions, that sort of thing. Like, for example, this wicker convention that they went to. It's everything wicker. Each company would showcase their wicker products in a different booth, and you know they're trying to outwicker each other. And in order to um, kind of spruce up the dull world of wicker they'd hire someone like my dad 
aka Elvis, to um, swing his hips and sing, you know, Hound Dog at the opening. Or they'd hire my mom, Cher, to sing something like Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves while showing some leg in her sequin dress. Uh, This was their world. I mean, they so thoroughly enjoyed the idea of conventions and trade shows they they love the fluorescent lighting the the free buttons the noise the people and the the energy of it all in fact that's actually how they met my father was emceeing a private function for a slaughterhouse and as he introduced Sonny and Cher my mom comes swinging in on a meat hook and he fell in love with her instantly After that, he started tracking her down at every convention that she went to, and eventually they got to know each other. Until finally, my father proposed at an aerosol convention. He got his buddies at the Cheese Whiz spray booth to spray, Will You Marry Me, in big cursive letters. And then he got my mom and walked her over to the booth. Now, granted, the chemicals in the air probably affected her judgment because they were later banned from the United States, but she said yes. So kids these days love scandals, but the Teapot Dome scandal just doesn't seem to have the same sexy edge to it that the most recent Brangelina debacle has. A kid can't relate to governmental intrigue, but what any teenager can relate to is public embarrassment. So we uh, we approached the story of uh, Teddy Roosevelt in San Juan Hill, and we had uh, Teddy Roosevelt write in. He said, Dear Historical Gossip for Teens, my most embarrassing moment ever, I was riding up San Juan Hill, and suddenly I realized that my fly is open and my entire battalion's laughing at me. And this is something that any teenager can relate to. I mean, any kid could be in gym class climbing the rope and realize that the kids can see up his shorts or something. And it really hits home this little piece of history for them. Another thing would be like uh, William Burroughs. We'd have William Burroughs write in, and he'd say, Dear historical gossip for teens, you'll never believe the other day I accidentally shot my crush in the head. And I mean, no kid hopefully has has shot their crush in, in the forehead, but they can certainly relate to doing something really embarrassing that ruins their chances with, like when some kid walking through the cafeteria spills a tray of spaghetti all over his girlfriend or something. You know, it, it's that sort of thing that the kids are really able to uh, to relate to and really makes the, uh, the, the history lesson uh, come alive for them. And then when we uh, tackled the uh, the Aaron Burr-Alexander Hamilton duel, we figure, hey, you know, uh, kids don't really understand the intricacies of uh, the feud between the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans, but what they do get is the feud between East Coast and West Coast rappers. So we had, like, Hamilton saying on his album, like, oh, Burr ain't half the pimp I am. I got all the bitches. And then, you know, that just causes Burr to get even more upset, and he goes out and pops a cap in Hamilton on a drive-by. And, I mean, that's not exactly what happened, but it gives the kids a flavor for history. I mean, we can just give them a taste. As a progressive thinker, those good old boys, they just don't understand me. I'll be working on my floor arrangements down by the creek or... 
working on calligraphy for my invitations, putting tablecloths on mules or something like that, and I'll get those jeering comments from them. Hey, boy, what the hell are you doing? Hollywood is magnet for queers. And I'll look right back at them. Queers! Queers! I'll whip out that magazine. It's like, these are not queers. Look at this. This is Bruce Willis. Look at that lady on his arm. This is a pretty-looking girl. All right, yeah, Ashton Kutcher. It's like, hey, these are good-looking women that found these guys. What are you doing? You're down by the... The trash dump, consorting with Darlene Daisy May. I believe she's your sister, son. Was that really what you want to get into? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You know, I, they, they just don't understand me. I mean, I'll be sitting there practicing my floral arrangement. What do they know about floral arrangements? Not a damn thing. Every child has their moment of lost innocence. Perhaps when they realize their dad isn't who they thought he was. Um, my moment was when I realized there are lots of Elvises. I think I was about 11 when I was finally old enough to walk around the conventions by myself. So I'd walk to all the rival booths, and that's when I realized my dad has a ton of competitors. I mean, who's going to make your disposable blenders stand out more? An Elvis who sings and swivels his hips? Or an Elvis who swallows swords or does uncanny imitations of tropical birds? My dad had nothing but contempt for the other Elvises. He didn't consider being a good Elvis, you know, juggling midgets or swallowing goldfish. Instead, he'd spend hours getting the voice just right. He'd only purchase vintage suits. He studied videos for like weeks just to get the perfect hip swivel, like exactly as the real Elvis did it. He was, in his own words, the classic Elvis impersonator. He thought that the gimmicks cheapened Elvis. And that's fine. But what destroyed us as a family was that my dad would always have these drunken fights with the competing Elvises. Now, it's one thing if he decided to fight with scrapbooking Elvis. But instead, my dad decides to pick a fight with sword-swallowing Elvis. Now, think about it. If the guy swallows swords, then at any given time, he has not just one, but multiple swords. Who do you think's going to win? And then another time, he picks a fight with the Elvis who juggles midgets. And he had to learn the hard way. You pick a fight with one juggled midget and you pick a fight with them all. So when he'd come home with all the bruises and scars and scrapes and burns, we would say, look, you really need to stop fighting. You really need to stop drinking so much when you go out and you really need to just leave the other Elvises alone. To which he'd respond, if you don't have dignity, honor, and self-respect. You're just another guy with a black wig in a polyester suit. You're no Elvis. You're not the king. I'm the king. And then inevitably, the next day, the king went and picked another fight with an Elvis, whose Siamese twin happened to impersonate Bruce Lee. Sometimes it is harder to work at this McDonald's than another McDonald's because the stars that come in want very special food. They want perfect food. For example, Mr. Tony Dancer comes in, orders his quarter pounder, but he also brings scale and it must weigh one quarter pound every time. And if not, very angry, Mr. Dancer. It rarely weighs that much because quarter pound is before cooking. It's frozen. And we cook off the fat. It is slightly less we tried to make up with bun, but it's never perfect, and Mr. Danza gets very mad, throws ketchup bottles, flips over tables, screams until we bring perfect pounder. Sometimes when Mr. Burt Reynolds comes in, he 
asks us to put napkin in his chest and to bring McRib sandwich but cut with fork and knife and feed him one bite of McRib at a time. But while we feed him, we must move our hand and make sound of airplane. And sometimes Mr. Burt Reynolds likes to be anti-aircraft and punches our hands and, and, and screams and bombs and then he gets mad when he doesn't get the food in his mouth because it fell to floor so we must bring other McRib sandwich and then he usually shoots missile well he shoots his hand but it is missile and Into knocks your eye your eye but it's okay um in a normal McDonald's I would not do this but for Mr. Burt Reynolds I will do Party industry entertainment is crucial. Look at the parties they're having in these magazines. You got Elton John playing the piano. You got uh, Puff Daddy talking nice on the microphone. And David Copperfield on Ladies in Half. You even got Bruce Willis playing his harmonica. Bound Bodine, we just don't got much going for us. We got some strippers down at the Ride em Cowgirls. But, you know, they don't really do much besides, you know, strip. I'm trying to try and teach them how to uh, do some other, you know, traits and stuff. Like juggling or tap dancing and uh, sword swallowing. And mime and uh, hypnotism. I think they're all good skills, but just not really catching into it. Except sword swallowing. You know, they're actually pretty good at that. So with the success of the magazine, it had started spawning trends of its own. When we did the Lincoln issue, um, the sale of stovepipe hats was the highest it's been since 1937. And, uh, and then we started seeing celebrities like Halle Berry walking on the red carpet in hoop skirts. And we realized that these old items were becoming popular again, but that there were no companies that, that made them for regular consumers, the people that we were distributing the magazine to, these teenagers. And the thing you have to understand is that as a magazine, we pay the bills with advertising. But since no companies were making any of these things, we, uh, we really weren't able to uh, get a lot of funding. Well, once the movie stars started uh, taking the cues uh, from our magazine, uh, we started having investors just coming out of the woodwork offering uh, money if we could promote their new cotton gin or, or ironclad. And at first, we just thought of this as a joke or something because nobody really has a use for any of these things in this day and age. But we realized that these other new fashion trends like uh, tube tops or uh, Ugg boots really uh, weren't serving a practical purpose either. And... Uh, came from things like that, that you start seeing, uh, you know, the new Justin Timberlake video with uh, him in a tricked-out uh, autogyro. Now, music's also important. The problem is we don't really have any DJs down here in the Tri-County area. Well, you got a lot of good musicians. Well, you have fiddlers and spoon players and washed-up bassists. We even have jugs. It's not quite the same as providing that disco beat from a subwoofer, but once you get those spoon players going and... Those jugs? Woo-wee! You got yourself a jamboree. Maybe it's normal for parents to want their kids to do what they do. You know, like, if your dad was an accountant, he'd kind of want you to study accounting. 
So my parents wanted me to be an impersonator too. They wanted me to follow them to all the trade shows and conventions and perform. Do I like fluorescent lighting? No. Do I like laminated name badges? No. Do my parents care? Obviously not. So this started around the time Britney Spears became popular. And dad comes home with a, a costume and suggests that I start learning her song and some dance moves. Never mind the fact that I have dark hair, I'm 5'11", and I kind of have darker skin than Britney Spears. He says, all I really need to do is study the moves, get it right, learn the songs, and I'll do great. So my first gig was supposed to be a vacuum cleaner convention, and on the seven-hour drive to Dayton, Ohio, where the convention was held, my dad forced me to watch loops of Britney Spears' music video just to get all the moves right. When he gave me the costume to put on, I thought, oh my god, I'm going to look like a whore selling vacuum cleaners. Now think about it. What do vacuum cleaners do? While I was performing my version of Britney Spears' song, I think I heard every single obese hairy or geriatric vacuum cleaner salesperson screaming every dirty joke involving the word suck they could come up with. I was so traumatized from that one experience to this day. The sound of a vacuum cleaner will reduce me to tears. Living in Yakistan, I uh, had the image that Life in with the stars would be very, very beautiful. But working for McDonald's for the stars, I realized that maybe life is not so beautiful. Bruce Billis likes to come into a restaurant with women dressed as nurses and catwomen sometimes. But other times he comes in alone and he fashions hearts out of french fries and then squirts them with ketchup and breaks the ketchup bottles on the hearts and the string quartet tries to drown them out, but we know that he is in pain like animal. It is very sad when Mr. Mel Gibson comes in because by now I know every time he goes to the back booth behind the balls and the slides and he orders one Happy Meal per time, and very slowly, delicately eats his his miniature burger and small fries, and then he pulls out the toy plastic car or plastic... Dinosaur. Dinosaur or helicopter, and he plays slowly for hours. It's just hours, and we ask if he wants more food, but... He just wants to play with his toy in peace. Please do not bother me. Um, we try to take the bag away, but he does not want the bag to be taken away because he wants to try to imitate the smile on the bag. It is, of course, happy meal, and he wants to be happy playing with his toy, but usually he is only weeping. parents' marriage was always kind of tumultuous. I mean, on dad's side, he was always drinking and coming home bloodied after a fight with another Elvis. But the biggest problem by far with my parents was that my dad was not sunny. 
mom would always get paired up with different sunnies depending on the city. If she was in Rochester, she'd get paired up with the Rochester sunny, or if she was in Tallahassee, she'd get the Tallahassee sunny. And dad always got so jealous. So she would say, why don't you be sunny? And he'd look at her and say, do you even know me at all? Do I look like I should have a bowl cut and a mustache and later become a congressperson in California? Clearly, I am the king of rock and roll, and if you can't handle that, then no more Graceland for you, baby. I'd remember at trade shows, if if the Sunny that Mom was performing with got too close to her at the end of their act, my dad would fly on the stage and pound on him with whatever he could grab from a nearby stall, like a ceramic doormat or an extendable broom, and then he'd grab me and my mom and we'd speed off in Graceland before the convention security could get us. The long rides after those episodes were the worst. My mom would always try yell at him, but for the most part, we'd sit in silence because dad would play Don't Be Cruel on full blast over and over again. Location is very important, see? Fancy clubs, they just gotta be exclusive. You gotta go to a desert island or a secluded mansion. You gotta go somewhere where you gotta keep that riffraff out. Anyone can go down the creek or the field down where we burn tires, have a cold one. There's something sad about that exclusive party. So I was thinking, Heaven is the most exclusive club out there. I mean, there are rules in order to get into Heaven. You know, you can't covet your neighbor's wife, or you gotta go to church every Sunday, and you can't spill your seed over God's bountiful creation. I mean, we're talking we're talking about some hard rules here. Heaven. So we went down to the uh, the old cemetery down around the uh, bend there. Had these great gates, we just couldn't turn them down. Did our pearly gates real nice. Put my friend Clem out in front. He grew his beard out for a couple weeks. Looked just right like St. Peter's. Well, you know, we got everybody together, got the the girls to come over down from uh, Rodham Cowgirls, put some uh, white robes on them, some wings. We were serving carrot juice, you know, trying to keep everything very pristine, very heaven-like. But the thing is, once those good old boys got in there, uh, they were downright upset, looking at me, what, what is this? To go over to the bar, and they're sitting there drinking carrot juice. Like, where are the booze? And I tried to explain to them, we're in heaven. You can't have booze in heaven. You know, you gotta drink carrot juice. And they wouldn't do it. I mean, before we knew it, we had we had violent men on our hands. Call me a Hollywood Nancy, and I, I just couldn't take it anymore. The party was obviously turning sour quick, and I saw the pool cue coming out. Felt that bump from last time, and figured I'd call the strippers over. I talked to him, convened, and we figured out between all of us that the best thing to do would make a little hell party in the back. So anybody that wants to continue living the exclusive heaven party, that's fine, but we'll... Take the good old boys back to the hell. So I uh, threw some leather on these lasses, gave them some horns. We had those jugs and spoons going, some good jack, lascivious acts, you know, flaming drinks. We got it all going. And man, say what you will about the devil, but that little bastard sure knows how to party. Things in my family just kept getting worse and worse over the years. My dad's jealousy, beating up all the sunnies, beating up other Elvises. It, ju- it just got so terrible. I think one of the last major blowouts he had was when he challenged an Elvis at a dairy convention to a cottage cheese off. Eventually he got kicked out and there was like cottage cheese all over his face and smeared on his suit and it was awful. He literally transformed from a classic Elvis, you know the blue suede shoes Elvis, to the late career Elvis. The Elvis who had meth cocktails for breakfast and got really fat and shot out his TV in Graceland. Now, my mom, of course, in order to cope with everything, 
she started seeing some of the sunnies and she'd spend more and more time with them. And my way of dealing with what my parents were going through was, I mean, it was hard enough to make friends in general, but I'd start meeting people at the conventions. So of course, if I meet people at the conventions and we're driving around in Graceland, naturally I'd bring them home, right? So this one time I met someone at the convention and I brought them to Graceland to, you know, hang out and whatever. And my dad came home strung out on something and he starts questioning my friend, like, who are you supposed to be? So my friend says, uh, hi, I'm Steve. And he puts his hand out for a handshake and my dad glared at him and said, I didn't ask for your name, boy. Who are you supposed to be? So my, my friend said, uh, I'm getting my associates in accounting and I want to be an accountant, sir. And then my dad yells who are you impersonating and he goes into this like huge rage and he starts screaming at me an accountant so so impersonators aren't good enough for you 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 like calculators and w4 forms and neckties and he goes off of course by this time steve has already run out of graceland and uh, i actually never saw him again but i turned to my dad and i was yelling back at him you know like dad why can't i have my own life why can't i have my own friends I don't want to live in Graceland forever. I don't want to increase consumer interest in machine washable blow dryers. Like, it, it, it's just not what I want to be. But he didn't answer me. Instead, he got really quiet and he turned around and walked to the front of the RV, sat in the driver's seat, stared out the windshield and just hummed late career Elvis's hit song in the ghetto over and over and over. So the problem with historical figures is that teens just aren't able to relate to them. So when we decided to cover the great American inventors, we created a boy band for them called Inventors. The band included Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, Benjamin Franklin, and Eli Whitney. Uh, we, we decided that it would have to be headed up by uh, Thomas Edison with uh, Alexander Graham Bell playing the role of the bad boy and uh, Benjamin Franklin being the Joey Fatone character. It took a lot of heat from both educators and historians, but we really feel that it has helped kids take the first important steps to discovering history. And it wasn't until the, the magazine had come out that, that you really saw kids, you know, with posters of Eli Whitney on a bearskin rug or um, Benjamin Franklin, you know, uh, running topless on the beach. But we also thought that the magazine needed to contribute uh, to the improvement of children's lives as well. And, and that was the goal behind Talking with Taft. We realized that many teenage girls especially have uh, self-image issues. So we chose to have the fattest president talk to readers about the difficulties he faced because of his condition and how it didn't make him any less of a president because of it. And we've received literally thousands of letters from girls around the country thanking Taft and asking for his advice. On the whole, I believe that uh, William Howard Taft would be quite happy with the influence he's having uh, in the modern age. As my dad got worse and worse, my mom's affairs with the various sunnies became more and more flagrant, and uh, she would try to steal away with them at the conventions behind my dad's back, even if it meant running off to a handicapped restroom at the convention center. Um, it all came to a head at the Undertaker's trade show. I think uh, my dad had just finished performing, and he was really, really drunk, and he wanted to fall asleep in one of the coffins. So we wandered around to, like, near the 
back part of the convention center. And he just so happened to open up a coffin and find my mom naked and tangled up with the Wichita Sunny. After he uh, softly closed the lid back, he came to find me. And by that time, he was, he was fuming. And he said, look, we're, we're going to Graceland. And I said, what? Wait, why? Where's, where's mom? And he said, we're going to Graceland now. And I said, no. And then he snapped. He started smashing coffins, oak, mahogany with velvet interiors, padded, everything. He toppled them like dominoes. And then a security guard came to see, you know, what was going on. And flamenco dancing Elvis tried to hold him back, but then he broke away, drove off in Graceland. And that was the last I ever saw of him. So I'm still getting grief from those good old boys. Now here I am trying to have a nice intimate soiree down at the freezer at the Piggly Wiggly with my cord and my rope and my list. And my good old boys are always on my ass. Ask me why my name is on that list. I look at them and say, well, it's because you're not glamorous. Well, but Cephas' name is on that list. I was like, well, but Cephas still has all his teeth. 
You see, Bocephus showers more than once a week. Bocephus, you know, he doesn't have saltines in his beard. Bocephus is wearing a t-shirt. You know, these are some small issues that you need to deal with in order to be glamorous and in my party. And then I'll get socked in the face and I'll be lying on the ground. And, you know, to be honest, I haven't been able to keep anybody out of any of my parties yet. It just kind of runs rampant. So I'm trying to train one of my strippers to be a bouncer. I got her on this high-protein diet. I got her a punching bag. You know, I got her running every day. She's getting all big. But, to be honest, sometimes I just don't feel like her heart is in it. So we've received a lot of criticism over many of our slight historical inaccuracies in our regular features, such as uh, depicting Puff Daddy and Heath Ledger at the Boston Tea Party, or uh, in Henry David Thoreau's advice column for simplifying, uh, such as with a simple jeans and t-shirt combo, or by relaxing with a bubble bath. Uh, People might think that this doesn't help teach history, but when you see that after we showed Longfellow at an award show with Jennifer Aniston that suddenly he was the top search in Google, you can't help but realize that this magazine is inspiring teens to go out and learn more about these historical figures. And when I walk into a classroom now and I see the kids with full-page spreads of Sacagawea or a kid aspiring to get all the girls by being a great orator like William Jennings Bryan, I, I just can't help but think that not only is this a sign that my magazine is doing well, but that children are gaining a brighter future by learning about our nation's past. Now, after we have seen the the real Hollywood and the stars that are not so happy, we would dream of making our own restaurant, a Yakistani restaurant with delicious goat curds and potato cakes and beets, borscht. It would be hard, but would be wonderful because we can go to line out front of McDonald's for stars and tell them that science is beautiful thing, math is beautiful thing, you are stars too. Mr. Dawson, we, we know your creek, we like your creek. It is dry now, but it was creek, and you were very much beautiful on your creek, and you had the girls in your creek, and you can come all now to our restaurant, and we make river of fun inside with beets and potatoes. And Mr. Pulitzer and Mr. Accountant. Yes. We won't have to paint the smile on our faces in our restaurants. No, no lines to get in. Only, only lines inside of happy people. Yes. And we don't have the money, but we are allowed and afford dream. Hey, down here in Alabama, no one understands me. No one believes in me. I don't let it bother me. I'm a progressive thinker. You know, I'm sure a great man like Isaac Newton, he had to put up with the same kind of thing. You know, people were probably telling him, just because an apple fell on your head doesn't make you a genius. But he didn't let it bother him. He went off and wrote all those good books on gravity and such. He didn't let any hillbilly stand his way. So I'm going to throw one last lavish party and show these small fish here what a party is, where they're going to have pretty dresses instead of overalls. It's strobe lights. Instead of burning tires. And alcohol that tastes like something worth drinking. Instead of old socks. And I'm going to take the strippers too. They're too talented to be wasting their lives way down here in Bodine. I'm going to take them up to LA. And they're going to be able to show off their sword swallowing. And fire breathing. And juggling. And hypnotizing. And no one's going to laugh at them anymore. I mean these are some good girls. And they don't need to be dancing around a pole their whole lives. So. I'm going to tell all your friends. Next party is going to be a big one. 
We're going to have fiddlers. We're going to have jugs. We're going to have spoons. We're going to have strippers performing Nutcracker Suite. But you got to come early because there's not going to be a lot of room down in the funeral home. And we don't want to turn you away. So dress to impress. Ladies, drink free before 12. No livestock. So now it's just me and Mom. She's still share, but there's no more Graceland. Usually, we take the Greyhound. Sometimes there's a sunny in our life for a little while, but by the time we hit the state line, he's gone. I still haven't seen my dad, but in a way, it's like he's everywhere. If I go to the supermarket, in the checkout line, the tabloid might have a heading like, Elvis lives. And it's a picture of a guy in a white suit putting a star on a Christmas tree in suburban Des Moines, Iowa or somewhere. But the pictures are so hazy, it could really be anyone. Anyone.